Hey listeners, I want to introduce you to another one of my favorite new products we carry at the clinic. It's called Perfect Amino. This is a pure essential amino acid supplement in a form and ratio that's both 99% utilized by the body to build new protein and collagen and completely absorbed into the bloodstream within an average of 23 minutes by anyone, no matter the state of their digestive system without waste or calories. It won't even break a fast. Most protein powders are less than 20% utilized for building new protein. This literally is the perfect protein for the human body. Nothing else comes close. Perfect Amino is 100% vegan, non-GMO, gluten-free, and sugar-free. Plus, if taken 20 to 30 minutes before a workout, it'll be fully absorbed into your bloodstream by the time you start and able to help repair micro tears in the muscle as they occur. This dramatically improves endurance and recovery time. If you're looking to get stronger and leaner, perform better and recover faster, if you want an actually clean protein source without the toxins and without the calories, and if you want to avoid blood sugar spikes, bloating, and fatigue tied to badly digested proteins, then you need to try Perfect Amino. If you're going through chemo or have had recent surgery, you need Perfect Amino. I've been taking this for about a month, and I've noticed improvement in my mood, recovery, and I'm actually gaining muscle. We carry tablets, powder, and a powder with electrolytes as well. Use code DRGRAY20 for 20% off Body Health Perfect Aminos using our link posted in the show notes and on the bonus tab of yourlongevityblueprint.com. And for the remainder of 2023, we're going to offer 10% off any Perfect Amino product in store as we want to get this into the hands of as many clients as possible. That's 10% off in store at the Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic through 2023. Fascia really encapsulates our entire body and it also wraps around all of our organs of our body. It wraps around every single muscle. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Erica Zeal. Today, we'll discuss how to create space in your body through movement and posture, how important your pelvic floor is for quality of life and pain reduction, and the role fascial health plays in longevity. This is part one of a two-part series. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint podcast. Today, my guest is Erica Zeal, who is also an Iowa local and a mom of three. She received her health and human performance degree from Iowa State University as a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, certified personal trainer and Pilates instructor, a board certified holistic health coach, and a deep core and pre-postnatal exercise specialist, which we got to figure out what the heck that is. <laughs> her mission is to help women live a healthier, active life free of pain. For over 20 years, she's been inspiring women to regain hope, but also experience true life-lasting results through movement, breathwork, and brain training. Erica has been featured in publications such as People, Live Strong, Fit Pregnancy, Oxygen Magazine, and the Strength and Conditioning Journal, to name a few. She's the founder and creator of Core Athletica, the Core Rehab Program, the Knocked Up Fitness brand, and instructor-trained courses. She's also the host of the Core Connections podcast. She believes that anything you want to improve about your health and life, you can. Welcome to the show, Erica. Thank you, Stephanie. We've known each other for several years. I was just thinking, I think I was on your podcast like five plus years ago. I mean, it's been a long time. Yeah, it has been a long time. And I keep thinking, <laughs> Stephanie, we got to get you back on my podcast. <laughs> and we're not that far away from each other. And Us reconnecting, I was thinking, man, when, which I obviously want to hear more about in your bio, what all you do. But I know after I had my son, William, 
I logged into one of your online courses. I was doing some of your exercises and stretches and whatnot. I almost forget because life has just flown by, but we need to kind of get back to that because I know that's valuable information for my listeners. But before we get to all you do, kind of tell us your story. Again, your bio is just so interesting, especially that like deep core pre-postnatal exercise specialist part. So how did you get into this specialty? Okay, well, I'll try to summarize the story and keep it short, but it go it's like literally my life. This is my life's work, right? So starting around the age of five, I started experiencing knee pain. And so my mom, you know, she'd go to the doctor, or whatever. They're like, oh, it's growing pains, which so maybe it was a little bit, I don't know, but it never stopped. So there were a lot of nights I'd be curled up in bed. I grew up taking way too much Motrin, heat packs, all that. It's like my knees would hurt and we tried all sorts of different things. And finally, when I was 17, uh, they're like, well, it's no longer growing pains. We don't know what it is because, well, I stopped growing by like, what, 13, 14, something right. like that. So we go to the Mayo Clinic up here, you know, Rochester. And I see a specialist and he's like, oh, you need to strengthen your legs. And I was like, what? I've had this pain for, you know, I was like five. Years old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like, you got to strengthen your legs. And that to me was like such a like, it was almost, it was, it was a definitely like a light bulb moment for me. So it pushed me, got me into the gym lifting. I was lifting. We had a, Luckily, we had a really good strength and conditioning coach when I was in high school. So he taught me form was really important. He taught me Olympic lifting, like all that kind of stuff. So that's how I actually started my experience with like lifting weight. Were you and, athletic um, already though? Like you, you yeah, seem well, very, you're very fit. So like, I assumed you yeah. maybe did high school sports or something. <laughs> I, I tried. I did. Yes. It was always, I always tried to be an athlete, but I was always injured. I always, my knees would hurt. Like mm-hmm. I get about halfway through a cross country season, a track season, a I softball was kind of like my sport because it didn't involve as much running. So I could, sure. I could make it all the way through a softball season, but still had knee pain. So that was to me, put a damper on my athletic abilities is what it did. And I, it's actually a conversation I have with my kids today because my husband is a very amazing athlete, not to get too sidetracked, but those of you that have kids and I, this is a conversation that comes up and I always tell my kids how blessed they are, how much of God given talent they have. So please use it. Because I didn't have, I tried and tried and tried and I just, I couldn't. And so, yeah, so through learning, you know, back to like 17, starting to get into the gym, learning how to lift weights, that inspired me to be like, I want to do this as a career. And that's what pushed me to do exercise science at Iowa State and kinesiology, all of that. They called it health and human performance at the time, but it's a kinesiology degree. They couldn't decide on their name for the program at the time, but that's what it is. And so by the time I was about about graduating, essentially, I had rehabilitated my own body. It definitely took me a couple of years. So you, you um, but re- I relieved your pain. So this, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I was able to, and I started working with other people, you know, and so for me, fitness, I like to say it more as movement now, but initially I really looked at fitness as a way to heal the body, to be strong, right? Yeah. Because as someone who had pain, which is not very common <laughs> by any means to have it at such a young age and for it to just like kind of continue And, but I was finally able to basically rehabilitate my body. So I didn't have pain. Then I found Pilates, which I always say today kind of saved my life. I love Pilates. Um, So after I graduated Iowa State, actually my internship, I moved out to Southern California, studied Pilates. Like it was like a whole other degree. There's such an array of Pilates education. Well, I have it all. (laughs) Like it was like a deep dive into movement and all that. And so I just fell in love with Pilates equipment. And which is why I'm like, I'm opening my Pilates studio. Finally, it's been a long time, but been raising what's your name? So, do you have a name? Like for you? Uh, it's 
Core Athletica. So it's my company name. So we're going to bring it forward with the studio. Perfect. So it'll be here in Ankeny. But yeah, so then moving forward, and I always had an interest in prenatal fitness and exercise, even in college. So that's kind of where the prenatal piece came in. I was fascinated that, you know, pregnant women at the time, now granted, this was 20 years ago, you Mm -hmm. know, I was in college, (laughs) showing my age a little bit here. But uh, I look great. You look great. (laughs) <laughs> but um fascinated at, at the time we were still telling pregnant women like if you weren't doing something you couldn't you couldn't really couldn't start and I just didn't sit well with me and so I that's why we still are told I feel like like don't oh, try something well maybe yeah. not in my world not that but, that's correct but I feel like yeah. when, I mean at least when I was pregnant okay so five years ago they kind of just said keep doing what you're doing don't you know don't start CrossFit or like don't start something more intense than you had been yeah. doing. But I feel like that's still sometimes the message, not that it's correct, but there, there's a lot of variables to it. It's how, and I can talk more about yes, that for yes. sure. But yeah, so that was kind of my interest in prenatal, even before I was ever like planning to be a mom or anything like that. And so I just started kind of putting these pieces together. I'm someone who I'm always an outside the box thinker. I'm not your run of the mill. Like me too. You know, my husband kept saying, oh, you should go back and get your master's in something at college. But I was like, I didn't love that kind of university. I was like, I got my ma- my bachelor's. And then I was like, okay, then Pilates to me was like a whole other degree. And then I've since like just continued to learn and read and research and pull the pieces together. And through working with people that for me, I'm a hands-on learner. I'm a hands-on like, that's how I learn and continue to evolve. And we take the pieces we already know and we kind of accept. Experiment. I love the word experiment with movement, with food, with all that. And so over the years, it just kind of evolved. And I started recognizing all these different things, started learning more about fascia and pelvic floor function. Two things I did not learn in college. Yes, guys. those are two I, paths we have to go down on this podcast. But yes, continue. Yes, <laughs> yes, we will. So that's where like fascia pelvic floor started showing up for me when I was starting to do a little bit deeper dive, starting to see these other experts that were like deep dive into pelvic floor. I kept hearing this stuff about fascia. And then when I learned like, gosh, we have fascia all throughout our body. How did I not learn that in college, you guys? Like, it still blows my mind um, that we still still in exercise science. I'm hoping in some places it's changing, but I don't think it's changed much. So I'm very grateful for all my knowledge outside of university. I'm also grateful for my university education, right? But it's just all those pieces that have come together. And then when I was pregnant with my third, I was like, I to do a prenatal DVD because we, I was like, didn't like the core training I was seeing for pregnant women. So that was the start of DVD number one. And then I did a postnatal one. And then I created a couple more. And then I wrote a prenatal exercise book. And then DVD stopped selling so well. So then it was like, (laughs) let's make an online prenatal program. And then I saw this need when I moved back to Iowa from Southern California because I had a whole influx of new clients and a lot of women Mm -hmm. moms. And I started seeing such massive dysfunction, pelvic floor dysfunction, back pain, diastasis. And I was like, why are we struggling? I can help these women. And so that was when I started realizing, well, I can create a program for this. So then that's where my core rehab program actually came um, out of fruition out of me because I was like, these women should not be struggling like this. I shouldn't mm-hmm. have these fears. Like, because they go to their doctor or their surgeon and be like, well, you can have surgery or you can just really like deal with it for the rest of your life. And I'm like, no. And they're like like 28-year-old moms, 30-year-old yeah. moms, 35-year-old moms. And I'm like, this is a problem. And so that was when some big you know, light bulb moments for me, again, starting to see what we're teaching in mainstream fitness to what I was recognizing and doing and seeing with my clients was a 
complete 180. I was like, we weren't having those problems with my clients that I had for a long time when I was in California. So then I move here and I start to see what kind of mainstream America women moms are dealing with. And I was like, we have to change this. So that's what drove that passion for me to like do more in my online, the online business and create the programs that I have. We want to hear more about those. But as you're speaking, I'm almost thinking many times on my show, obviously, I'm talking about the fireman versus carpenter approach, right? So the fire department approach, even to I can never pronounce it. How do you say that? Diastasis recti is one way of pronouncing it. Will you explain that to the audience too? Like what that is? Yeah. Yeah. If you have it, you know what it is. But if you don't have it, you might not know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So diastasis recti is the spreading of the linea alba, which is like that fascial line that goes down between our rectus abdominals. So the rectus abdominals are like our, we think six pack muscles. So it's really common during pregnancy that there's obviously a lot of stretching in the belly. So it's very common that women get diastasis recti during pregnancy, or if they go back to too intense exercise, or they're not activating their deep core correctly postpartum, they can actually cause diastasis because of the relaxin in that tissue. Their body's not ready for it yet. But I also like to always mention men can get diastasis too by doing too many crunches. So, or women who haven't had babies. And every once in a while, I mean, babies are all born with it, essentially born with that separation. Because, you know, I like, think babies have that little more like cute little belly, yeah. right? And as they get a little older, the tissue should come together. The fascial tissue should come together and become stronger. For the occasional child, that doesn't happen. So some people... It's very rare. I don't see it hardly ever, but I do know, I have heard of rare cases of that never connecting, that fascia never really coming together. It's not like, it's not like there's like a hole in the abs. It's just that the fascia is weak. So to clarify that, yeah, it's I mean, weak I, fascial I've tissue seen some, is what yeah, it is. Patients where it just looks like line, there's a line down the middle of their abs. There's just like this opening. So that's for the listeners just to explain what that is. And so I love, at least in this show, what I think we're going to get to more is that carpenter, that functional medicine approach versus the carpenter approach. I'm sorry, which versus the fire department approach, which you already mentioned is like surgery, right? That's yeah. not the only option. So thankfully, we have this carpenter, this, this better approach. But I think we should back up and talk about what fascia is. So what is fascia? And why do you say so, it's <laughs> our superpower? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it is. It's our superpower. Absolutely. So fascia really encapsulates our entire body. If you were to take out the outer layer of fascia, um, it would be the outline of our entire body from the top of our head to our toes to our fingertips. And it also wraps around all of our organs of our body. It wraps around every single muscle, every single muscle spindle. So it's like throughout our muscles. Like if you think of our quad muscles, not just around our quad muscle, it's like around every single little muscle spindle that makes up the quad muscle, for example. I talk a lot about pelvic floor health. And so to visualize, and this is this affects men too. So any men listening, I always like to clarify, I think pelvic floor, sometimes women don't even know what their pelvic floor is. And men think, oh, I don't have a pelvic floor, but you all do, all people do. Our anatomy just looks a little bit different. But understanding that above our pelvic floor, well, we have the musculature, which fascia wraps around all the muscles, but also above our pelvic floor, we have layers of fascia, which helps to support our organs. So I know we'll talk more about pelvic floor, but from a visual perspective with fascia, I like to explain that fascia can help to suspend our organs inside of our torso so that our pelvic floor doesn't have to hold everything from underneath. It's a very good visual to start to mm. think differently um, about your body. So I use the word connecting a lot, connections, everything's like core and connections in my world. Let's make core connections podcast, kind of a pun on a lot of things. But 
we can really connect through our body. And when we do that, we're talking about our fascial connections that we're creating because we can be muscularly strong. And yes, we're going to work our fascial system. But if we focus on working our fascial system, we will also become more muscularly strong. So it works better. And again, I'm all for like lifting weights. We can talk deeper about this. But if we can transition a little bit and start thinking about our body from a fascial perspective, it actually can support our body so much better. It can help us to find more space between our bones, uh, which helps with our nervous system. A lot of people, when they get pain, we, we start to lose space in our bones. And so people think, oh, it's a, it's a nerve issue. It's a, it's a structural issue. Mm, I mean, once in a while, but I see it's usually a, a postural issue because we've lost the space in between our bones. And as soon as we start to get that space back between our bones, speaking our like spinal vertebrae, for example, people start to feel a lot better because now there's space for all those nerves to function the way they're supposed to function. One thing I was thinking to add with nerves, because fascia wraps around our nerves as well. So that's also something to understand when we start talking about nerve issues. Nerves don't just function alone. They are so intertwined within our, or our fascial system is intertwined within our nervous system. Good to know. So how do we create that space? So are we talking about like fascial stretching? How do we work when you're saying like, how do we work our fascia or improve that? So the easiest example is, okay, we're just sitting here. Anyone that's listening, if you're sitting or you're standing, just bringing more awareness to your posture. So we don't want to stand like soldier straight and like, you know, grip and grab. We just want to think about this light lift from the base of our pelvis up through our torso, through the top of our head. So these just kind of visualize. It's a very gentle lift. Our shoulders are relaxed. But if we can just throughout our day, start to think about that gentle lift up through our body, it's going to start to strengthen our fascia of our body. The fascia inside that I said is like suspending our organs, right? Mm -hmm. But also along our spine, not only are the fascia, but again, the muscles as well, because we're going to work that part of our body. So posture really, really is a first step in helping to do this because we think about it we spend so much time looking down at phones or on our computer we're rounded all the time and when we i know you talk a lot about longevity and you know you think about an older woman we that has that kyphosis extreme yeah. kyphosis and there could be every reason in the book as to why that's happened but most of the time it's just because we haven't really worked on that awareness of keeping that nice posture we have to bring awareness to that posture or we will lose it because fascia forms the way that we move. This is why I'm so passionate about movement and posture and breathing and everything we're going to talk about because it is a root piece of our health. And so if we work on and think about how we're holding our body and our fascial system a little bit understanding it, then we can start to move our body out of pain or prevent pain. So if we think about that hyphotic, that rounded shoulder, right? or that kind of maybe hump in the upper back that a lot of older people start to get. So if we can prevent that, we can also help to move the body out of that. But if we're rounded like this all the time, the fascia is going to become stronger in that rounded position and hold you there. So in the beginning of working to improve our posture, we can't go from some extreme postural stuff that we're dealing with to all of a sudden be like, oh, we're going to try to force our body and sit up straight. We have to give our body time. Fascia likes gentle and likes to be worked, well, worked very gently is the best way of putting it. So we have to think about gradually increasing and improving our posture. So in the beginning of people bringing more awareness to their posture, they mm -hmm. might say, 
oh man, after like a couple minutes, man, my, my body gets tired, right? Because your muscles are working, we're waking up that nervous system more, we're increasing our blood flow of our body. So then, okay, we'll let yourself relax Then bring your awareness back to it and sit up. But the thing about it is we want to make sure we're not just using our back to hold us up. It needs to come from inside of our body too. That pelvic floor, that inside, that lower abdomen lift and our mid back and lengthening up. And if we start to bring more awareness to that, we will train our fascia to be stronger in a taller lengthened position, which will give your spine more space. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Love it. So now I want to, I like, I want to well, actually even trying to improve my posture almost makes me want to breathe better too. Like I feel like they almost go, go together. Well, when I hear you talk about pelvic floor health, I have to ask about kegels because that's mostly, I feel like what listeners may know. Right. So I feel like some people know I need to do kegels. Like at least for my training, I had a certification with incontinence. And so I had, you know, help taught patients with biofeedback, you know, how to do Kegel exercises to strengthen their pelvic floor. But I myself personally have more of a tight pelvic floor. I more need to relax my pelvic floor. Yeah. So I don't think Kegels are a good idea for me personally. And I recently listened to, I don't know if you listen to Huberman Lab, but Andrew Huberman had a yeah. podcast um, where he talked about how he was doing I'm not going to say this correctly, but something like he was doing Kegel exercises with something else with breathing or something. And he actually ended up having painful urination and he had to stop. And just that he was definitely not, that was not the right fit for him. And so like, I guess I want to ask your opinion again, when in the context of pelvic floor health, my mind goes to Kegels. So what is your belief? Do women need to do Kegels? Do they need to stop doing Kegels? How do you answer that? I love this conversation. Um, <laughs> I'm not a fan of Kegels. And I'll tell you it with the women I've worked with in person, the thousands of women we've had online through Core Rehab, the common conversation is the pelvic floor is too tight. tight. Yep. Too tight. Um, I've worked with women that have really severe tight pelvic floors. And mm-hmm. I will I see across the board Kegels actually cause too much restriction of the pelvic floor, or we could say an imbalanced pelvic floor. I like to talk about more of an imbalanced pelvic floor. Maybe it's causing too much restriction in Part of the pelvic floor, likely more the front or one side or the other, but not activating the back of the pelvic floor at all. So here's the thing we need to understand is actually how big our pelvic floor is. And it's not just one muscle, it's multiple pelvic floor muscles combined that combine to make the pelvic floor. So if we can visualize, and if you're sitting right now, this is a good way to start to really feel this for your own body. And men do this as well. So if you're sitting again, sitting on and I like to sit on a hard surface. It makes my posture better. I think it's better for if we sit on a soft surface, we're slouching a lot. So sitting up, if you just kind of rock forward to your pubic bone and then rock back towards your tailbone and then rock side to side on your sits bone. So we can kind of feel that. Even those of you that say, sits bones, where are those? They're there. They're the base, pony, kind of pointy part of your pelvic bones. Mm-hmm. And that is the pelvic floor. So I will like use a visual of like a diamond. So if you can visualize that diamond at the base of your pelvis, that entire area down there, all that tissue, that is your pelvic floor muscles. Most women don't realize it goes all the way back towards your tailbone. And a lot of women think it's like the pelvic floor is the size of the quarter. So that also in lies part of the problems with kegels is that they're only working part of the pelvic floor. And we're just taught to squeeze, 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 squeeze. And if we're just squeezing all the time, then we can have too much activation on part of the pelvic floor. And we're not then activating most likely the very back of the pelvic floor, which can lead to an imbalanced pelvic floor. The other thing is we know through research that good research, I'll put that out there too, that 
in order to have proper pelvic floor activation, we have to activate the pelvic floor along with the deep core. And we have to do it with breath. So if you're just squeezing your pelvic floor muscles, for some people, maybe some of you listening, you're like, no, that's actually really helped me. And that's great. That's fine. But I will challenge you to listen to everything I'm saying and take it to a deeper level so that you can actually find a better effective pelvic floor function. That's what we're working on is effective pelvic floor function here, right? What's optimal? So when we understand the pelvic floor does function on its own for optimal function, it functions as a whole with our deep core. So again, remember that fascia image I gave you all that your fascia is kind of suspending your organs inside. We have fascia above the pelvic floor as well. I feel like it helps people start to visualize like, okay, it's more than just the muscles trying to do the work. So it's really the entire capsule from our pelvic floor all the way inside our torso, right? Our intercostals, which are the muscles along the rib cage, our diaphragm, the deep muscles of the spine, the, you know, the abdominal wall, which has layers of fascia in it. This is why our, our fascial conversation matters so much for pelvic floor function. Because if we just focus on the muscular system, we get grippy, grabby obliques, we get grippy, grabby glutes. So, so all of you right now listening, you we could do a little test to see if you cheat and use your glutes to activate your pelvic floor. So for all of you that know what a Kegel is, and or you just want to try to activate your pelvic floor, see if you also clench your glutes. It's very interesting. So if you clench your glutes while you're trying to activate your pelvic floor, then we're definitely not getting good activation of the pelvic floor as a standalone, like, you know, on its own, we're using our glutes to cheat. We should not use our glutes. So that's very common. And if we have that glute gripping, as I like to talk about it, likely uh, you're standing or sitting with a tucked pelvis as well. And when we have that, we likely get low back pain, neck and shoulder pain. Because if we're sitting right now and you go to like tuck your pelvis, or maybe you're already there and that's okay. We have to listen to our body and start where we are and not overcorrect. And we're going to make small little gentle improvements over time. And if we're in that tucked position like that, we're putting a lot of pressure downward on our pelvic floor and it puts a lot of pressure into your low back. And then you can kind of feel how it goes all the way up to your neck. So believe it or not, neck and shoulder pain can come from imbalances in the pelvis, pelvic floor, glute, all of that. So we need to work on untucking our pelvis. Um, again, some of you may not be able to do that right now, but you want to work there because you don't want to over, like overcorrect. And then all of a sudden now you're like, oh, now my back does hurt because I'm overusing my, my low back. So we have to also learn how to release and relax through yes. the pelvic floor and the pelvis. I like the visual of just letting your belly go and think about your breath in from your nose, going all the way down into your pelvis, like softening your hip bones, like around the hip bones, like softening all that tissue through your pelvis. Because when we can learn to relax the tissue, guess what? We'll actually be able to activate it more effectively, which in my world is generally more gently, right? So remember I said fascia likes gentle. So something that works really well that I find helps women a lot. And again, this is stuff that's really hard to get like right now. So this is something like those of you listening that's really resonating with, like come back again, listen to it again later. Like it just takes time because we cannot force our body. If we try to force our body to find the pelvic floor activation, then we're going to end up getting in these grippy grabby patterns, which we're actually need to get out of. Because again, the whole kegels like are causing that. So if we can release and relax all the way down through the pelvis, pelvic floor, 
And then on our exhale, we think about that diamond shape, the pelvic floor. We gently draw all four points together. And then we think about like zipping up very gently all the way from the pelvis, pelvic floor, lower belly, mid back, top of the head. You then we're getting into our deep core, which includes our pelvic floor. We're improving our postural system as well, which will then help you with so many things. It sounds so kind of simple. Well, you make it sound easy, but do you have videos? Like, is this like your online courses where you walk patients through like yeah. practices and breathwork to help them? Yeah. Because I went to a yeah. pelvic floor. I think it's just when you're in this line of work, like I knew too much and I was so worried, like, I don't want to have incontinence, you know, like after having William. So I just went to the pelvic floor specialist. She's like, why are you here? I'm like, I just want to be proactive. Can you like tell me how my pelvic floor situation is, you know? And I did have a really tight pelvic floor and there were areas she had to do myofascial release. She even gave me a pelvic wand I could use. And, you know, I mean, I learned so much. And again, like I didn't even have any known problems going into that. Right. But she did kind of teach me how to identify tight spots and kind of relax them and whatnot. But it's work and it's not just like super easy. <laughs> it's a whole yeah, world. It's... Yeah. 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 If you have to think of it as you're teaching your body something completely, it's like learning a foreign language for your body. And I have to remind women of that all the time because we want results yesterday. We want to feel like, well, why don't we already know this? We should have learned this before, but we didn't know. And we didn't teach this stuff. This is something, again, I always, always share with women, moms. I'm like, please start to share this stuff with your teenage daughters Mm. so they can start to strengthen their core the correct way. Because honestly, we know some of these pelvic floor issues, I would actually say, tend to say a lot of them start in the teenage years because of the fitness they're doing. Especially if they're like athletes, right? They're, they're grippy, they're grabby. We're just focusing on strength. We're not focusing on stability. And again, stretching, I have issues with stretching um, because we're so many times with stretching, we're, we're not getting to the fascial system. We're just digging, we're just like overstretching our joints and hmm. not really creating support with our stretching. Some of that stuff starts younger. And the thing is, and Stephanie, kind of back to what you were saying, like going to a pelvic floor specialist, which I will always encourage women to do to get that tactile feedback. And when you start to see like, oh gosh, I don't have problems right now, but I want to prevent them. Mm -hmm. Like that's huge, ladies. Prevention is everything. It's so much easier to prevent than wait till you have a problem. And I will tell women incontinence is the first sign that there is a pelvic floor issue. And a lot of times with incontinence, women think, oh, my pelvic floor is too weak. Actually, it's likely everything we've just talked about. Now, I would say it starts to possibly shift as women get older. Yes. And older. There, I think there's a hormone component to that when patients there have is. extreme estrogen deficiency and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. We're likely to get UTIs and leak. And, but that's one, that's one variable there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not the women that I'm usually working with. I'm working with women in their <laughs> 30s, 40s, yeah. and yeah. 50s, some into their 60s, you know. And again, can you have had those estro- those hormonal shifts and still have a tight pelvic floor because you're still working out, which is awesome. You're still having the old movement patterns. Yep. Absolutely. So I still always challenge that when I do hear women, older women sure. that are like, oh, well, but I, my pelvic floor is too weak. Well, do you really know? Have you actually had someone evaluate that? Right. Or do you just right. think it's too weak? Um, so anyway, that's my whole take on a lot of the pelvic floor stuff. Hey, everybody. If you've enjoyed the content I've been sharing on this podcast, I think you will love my new free ebook, How to Create Resilient Health. One of my signature talks covers why stress impacts our health so negatively and what exactly we can do about it. 
After every time I give that talk, I always get requests from people in the audience for the actual presentation so that they can go back through it again and reference it on an ongoing basis. This was happening so much that I finally realized I needed to create a new resource on the topic, which is this beautiful ebook I've just released. In this book, I break down the stress response, symptoms of stress, how stress impacts your health and your hormones, and most importantly, share what you can do to make yourself more resilient to it. I share healthy strategies relating to lifestyle, nutrition, and supplements to help you create and maintain the habits needed to better thrive under stress. If you're one of millions of Americans that have struggled with chronic stress, you are not alone. Let this ebook be your guide. Hop on over to yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash creating hyphen resilience for your free download. I want to go off on a tangent here for a second because so I have had multiple surgeries for endometriosis. I had my listeners know I had a big kind of infertility battle. Thank God William is here. But post all the surgeries, and then I ended up having a C-section and a horrific birthing story. Anyways, <laughs> that's just more trauma, right? To my abdomen. And I immediately went to my chiropractor who does like myofascial release and works with scar tissue. Because I, again, I knew too much. I wanted to make sure that my scar was in you know good shape and as mobile as it could be. But long story short, I also ended up going down to Clear Passage. I don't know if you're familiar with them, where they do 20 hours of abdominal work for scar tissue. So they're almost, so my fascia, I believe, like was damaged. (laughs) And I just had a lot of scar tissue post-surgery that they needed to literally loosen, right? And I think that all of that can, in my opinion, contribute to tight pelvic floor and more more problems and whatnot. And so they, I, I went down for 20 hours of physical therapy on my abdomen. It was a whole week where they just worked me all over. They worked on my fascia from my head all the way down to my toes, but spent a lot of time on my belly just to reduce all the damage that was done from surgery. And my belly just felt like amazing. It was like soft and mobile. My uterus was mobile. Like It was wonderful. So I think, and so I guess when you say fascia, I'm immediately thinking my scar tissue post-surgery. And I don't know if you want to comment on any of that, but that was just part of my journey that I needed to, and I'm happy that I was aware of that to kind of get that dealt with, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's amazing that you are. And I always, again, I will always recommend to women or men to do like cranial, I assume they're doing probably kind of cranial sacral work and something like that. Yeah. I love cranial sacral, that manual work on scar tissue, because here's the thing is once we have scar tissue, we have scar tissue. But so I like to explain scar tissue is like all muddled up, restricted fascia. And where actually we can get problems with that is so let's use a C-section, for example. This is where kind of the conversation comes where when a woman wants to have a V-back and doctors are like, oh, I don't know, because you have that that restricted fascia of, they don't explain it like this, but this is how I see it. Yeah, please do. They've got all that restriction from that scar tissue. So the weak link is not actually the scar tissue itself. It's the area around that scar tissue. So what we can do in something like the work that you did, you softened that. So we scar is still there, but we've brought blood flow back to it. We improved the fascial tensegrity of that tissue, the scar itself and the tissue around it. And then if we can even go deeper and say like, yes, can you get fascial adhesions from, you know, even not, that's not even talking endometriosis. Let's just talk pregnancy in general, or maybe lack of mobility, right? Can you get fascial adhesions of your organs kind of getting stuck along the inside of your pelvis underneath your rib cage? Absolutely. And so, yes, doing some, having some manual work, going to someone who does cranial sacral type work can be fascinating. Absolutely. I've done cranial sacral is my favorite. It's way more powerful than just massage. You guys, I'm not a huge fan. Again, you might love massage, might feel great, 
I'm not saying it doesn't work, but the difference is that the cranial sacral is going deeper into our fascial system. It, sometimes a lot of people, especially if you're not super body aware, you might feel like nothing's really happening, but there's a lot happening. Remember my, com- my comment earlier about fascia like gentle? Gone are my days. I don't do any trigger point release or heavy, like intense foam rolling on any clients because you know what I find is that when I do a lot of gentle ball work or soft foam roller stuff and movement to lengthen the fascia to help create support, right? Our body sometimes it just needs support to help stretching. But if we need to actually release the tissue, it releases better with we're more gentle and lighter with our body. And again, it might sometimes feel like you're not doing a lot but it's actually so effective. It is amazing when you allow your body, because especially those of us that tend to be athletes and really want to like feel the burn and feel the pain and do all that kind of stuff. We have to like (laughs) set that aside, but kind of back to like the scar tissue and stuff like that is that absolutely. So with endometriosis, you've had any surgeries, things like that, that can restrict your organs inside. Remember all that fascia I mentioned, right? So absolutely it can affect um, for sure. But there's a lot. Um, it's always it amazed me when I first started seeing this with my core rehab program, and we have moms that had C-sections, and within a couple of weeks, they usually start to see their incisions start to pink up, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm starting to feel again." Because like numbing is one yeah, of the most yeah. common, common you know symptoms yeah, with the C-section, yeah. and they're like, "I just can't activate." You know, I don't know how to activate my lower abs and all that kind of stuff. Well, part of it is. If we're doing traditional ab work or exercises, we're just working kind of the surface level of our abs. We're not getting into that pelvic floor. And so when I talk pelvic floor deep core, we're working from inside outward and we actually start to then activate with movement, with breath work, how to stimulate all the fascia of the core, but the lower abdominals. So with that C-section, for example... It's, it amazes I me. Mean, I still would recommend, you know, doing manual work on it too, but I know not everyone can afford that or you can do manual work on yourself, of course, but it's amazing to me when that happens. And it just makes me so excited to really show what, how it's so powerful that movement, the breath work in the right way <laughs> can really train our body to be so much stronger. And when we're improving you know, blood flow and all of that, like it helps your lymphatic system, it helps mm-hmm. your energy. Now you're like, oh, now I can actually feel more support of my lower back because I can wake up that lower abdomen, right? So it's this whole, it has a cascade effect when we start to really understand and wake all that issue up. Everything's connected. Okay. I appreciate her energy and passion for this work. So many women can benefit from her work pre-pregnancy, while pregnant, and postpartum. I think we all could use help learning to strengthen our core the correct ways. I can still hear and see her talking about feeling that lift in my posture. That's one piece of homework and take home I definitely had was to work on my posture and help my fascia and muscles. I'll post a link to her free pelvic floor guide in the show notes. And if you're listening from Iowa, be sure to check out her new Pilates studio in Ankeny. Join us next week for part two, where we dive more into her opinion on stretching and breathing. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. 
I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. This podcast is produced by Team Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.